Welcome to the Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast, the tirade film movie debate podcast hosted by two film critics, cool dads and struggling teachers. I'm Don Shanahan. I'm William Johnson. We're new and we're damn glad to have you. We hope you've got your judges scorecard. Folks, this is all for tantrum's sake, where shared passions and high fives wash away any place for hate. In the end, we encourage you to love what you all love. But for now, the gloves are off and Hissy Fit is on. This week, we're talking about Zack Snyder's Justice League. Recommended by myself, Don Shanahan, as the lover. Our format is this. The recommending lover, myself, goes first. I will get five uninterrupted minutes to shower my praise and state my high-minded case. I don't know if it's going to be that high-minded, and I definitely didn't smoke anything tonight. The hater follows with five interrupted minutes of their own to present their counterpoints with any manner of intellectual scorched earth. After that, we open up for 15 minutes of shared conversation with a hissy fit really gets chippy folks get your capes get your cowls get your paint thinner to take away all color and light and wonderfulness because we're going to Zack snyder's justice league let's go well how you doing sir welcome back well i'm doing pretty good um i just want to let everyone know that um uh, my children were kidnapped until someone restores the snyder verse on twitter my oh, children gosh, will forever be captured what? What, what what will we ever do without more <laughs> substandard movies? Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I, that's I. Something tells me when we get to our fifteen minute crosstalk, it's just going to be like the movie will go away, and we're going to talk about just the movement that just annoys us both. Yeah, so we're yeah. we're in agreement on that then. Uh, to start at the oh platform. gosh, yes, yeah, we agree. Like, we I, agree I'm, that yeah, that's going to be the fun part of the 15. Like, five minutes for the film itself, I could put some merit to it, and I will. But, yeah, then when we get to the crosstalk where we go, but when you think about it on the whole level, this is more harm than good. So, all right, let me see what I got here. All right. <laughs> Zack Snyder's Justice League. Five-minute timer. Here I go. All right. The thing I – kind of the expression or the idiom that came to mind when I thought about where this movie could go or what it could turn into – I thought of, and I opened my silly review on 25 Well with this analogy, is the idea of can't, you can't shine shit, you know? And I love that in 2008 on the TV show Mythbusters, the guys, Adam Savage and Janie Heineman, used an ancient Japanese art technique of molding earth and water where they actually were able to pull off shining these amazingly perfect globes of shit. And I'm like, wow, you, you can shine shit. Uh, you know, the hard part was it took a long time and it still smelled like shit. And, to, you know, judging <laughs> by the justice. I know. Right. I, I love that. Are I you got the, you are you the lover of this? Are you the lover? I'm the lover of this. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I say all that to say when I revisit Justice League and what we got in 2016, that was shit. And Zack Snyder had to take that shit and perform the same miracle. And to me. He did it, and even more wondrous, it doesn't smell. Um, I couldn't, I, I'm a Zack Snyder, I don't want to say I'm a Zack Snyder stan, because that would make me one of the people we're going to talk about later, but I tip my hat at what he can do. I like the meaty machismo and the explosiveness that he goes for. Do I think he does too much slow-mo from time to time? Yeah, that might be his Terrence Malick drapes move a little bit, but um, he has a bold vision and a different kind of flavor than Joss Whedon. And, the potential of what he could do 
was easily presented to us with Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. And especially that director's cut of Batman v Superman where he can kind of go dark. Now, background before here a little bit. I thought Batman v Superman was 10 pounds of sugar in a five pound bag. Really strong movie. I was great with just the rivalry of things and the way Luther was twisting and, and you know just manipulating that situation. I was good until Doomsday showed. I felt like that was completely unnecessary. If you're going to play the Doomsday card as a comic book fan, you got to save that for the veteran Superman who is beloved and, and adored by the world. And all of a sudden, that guy that we've loved and adored for a long time dies. You don't kill the rookie who's 18 months on the job who the world's still kind of not sure of yet because they're not going to know what they've missed and they're not going to appreciate what the sacrifice of it all was. So I felt like the Doomsday card was played way too early. And then you do that in the world building way that is a little backwards that, you know, that DC and Warner Brothers has been doing. And I understand why, despite how much I can go, how easy it would be to compare Marvel to DC. I get what Snyder and the bit and, you know, and crew were doing Jeff Johns and all that in Nolan playing producer is that Marvel came in with this blueprint. I call it the blueprint all the time. The idea that they took their lead up movies and really built their universe as a movie at a time and a character at a time where you get to the big team up movie and it matters because you've built all that background stuff is done. You've built this interest in all these characters. And now you can have this massive team of movie with big things going on. And, that, and it works. And my goodness, did Marvel set the world on fire with that blueprint? I totally get the business egg on face, pie on face shame, or at least the one upmanship of a studio looking at the competitor across town going, gosh, if we do that, what can we match that? And the fun part is DC Warner Brothers has more than Marvel, the kind of iconic heroes that everybody in the whole wide world, even third world countries knows. You flash that Superman symbol. Polls have shown that's the second most recognized symbol in the world outside of the Christian cross. I mean, you flash an X-Men X, they're going to think it's a no smoking sign with an extra slash. Like DC has God level heroes on huge acceptance levels. And if they were to go and do the Marvel thing of build a character one at a time and then get to your team up movie and do the exact same blueprint, stay warm and sunny, do the quippy comedy thing, be a D, you know Disney friendly PG level, PG-13 level audience, all the industry would do would go look at you, copy and Marvel. So by the time they do that, if they were to do that, I get why they're like, you know what, what can we do this different that might shake things up a little bit? And that was Snyder doing the bold thing, the dark stuff. and. And going for the more, you know, just the shadier versions of these superheroes, which to me is hit or miss. And when you do that, you got to you got to go all the way. And they have. Problem is that doesn't sell very well. And you get this moody, wooden, dark Superman that's Henry Cavill. And you don't have Christopher Reeve up there, you know, making every mother smile that it's just a hard sell. And then you get this, you know, over-retired Batman and all that. So I, as much as I go, gosh, that's not the thing I thought I was going to have. Like, I'm not an expectation guy. So I'm like, all right, can I remove that and go, what are they trying to do? And what Zach's trying to do with the, with the big meaty stuff, I can accept and I can see, you know what? We didn't get the full meat we could have got from Joss Whedon in four years ago, five years, 2016. So to see him get his chance to give us the full version of what he could do, with all the stretch and all the length and all the character development that wasn't so rushed because they went the opposite way of Marvel. 
I thought was a success because I was more invested here in Flash, in Cyborg, in Aquaman. Even though we've gotten an Aquaman movie since then, we have to pretend like we haven't seen him, or at least you know, in our heads we have to do that. So for me, this movie wins because of character development, because of, of stakes. And one of the things that Marvel does a lot of, and it's very successful and it's very good, is they play it safe. And this movie, or at least what Snyder does, he's willing to not play safe and do crazy things. Doomsday aside, even though I'm not into it. So for this movie to take what was broken and take what was shitty and shine it, I was really impressed. I thought he nailed it. It's long. You can still trim plenty of things. But as a, as a heady, bold, interesting movie that had me kind of invested in what these characters could have been in the woulda, coulda, shoulda department, and just the tonal change that came out of it, changing the music, changing the effects, bringing in different people and recutting even entire scenes to different orders and different ways that they play out. I thought it was genius. Um, it's not five-star masterpiece by any means, but my goodness, is it better than what we got before? Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I know. All right, I did more history than movie. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. It's, it's, uh, it's uh, acceptable. Uh, there's not really right. a movie there, despite the runtime. Uh, ah, is my is my uh, is my clock ready? It is your five. Fire away. Everyone knows I'm a Marvel guy, so I'm not going to try to talk about Marvel uh, at all because I want people to know that I also read DC comics and um, I like DC characters, and uh, I'm not just a Marvel shill. So let me say this up front: I'm very pleased the director got to complete his vision of a story he was forced to abandon when it was initially released. I think it's pretty cool someone backed him up with funds and said, go do you. I'm a champion of all cinema. I believe it is all essentially art. So for an artist to see this through is actually pretty neat. So I will say that. That said, this doesn't mean it's any good. Everyone compares this to the theatrical version, which I have not seen, and declares Snyder's version far superior. That may indeed be the case. But separated from a comparison to what most see as an inferior product, does this film stand alone as simply a film? I'm lucky enough not to have any of the baggage of the theatrical hovering over me. So I have a feeling if I hated or loved, I doubt it, but who knows, the theatrical, my feelings toward this version would be quite different. But luckily or unluckily, I have no basis of comparison and see this just as a regular product being presented to me. Okay? And I'm just not impressed. For one, the major praise has been going to the extended character development. Yes, a four-hour running time will indeed give you more time to develop characters. But good films do what Snyder does in nearly half the time. And while there is something to be said for a continued vision, I'm using my air quotes, from Man of Steel to BVS to this, it doesn't help when you've already drawn the characters so thin and lifeless that bloating them out for a further four hours makes them less likable, not more. Ben Affleck's Batman was really good in BVS. He had a story arc. He was a fucking detective. It was acted well. It wasn't so doom and gloomy. It wasn't like an emo, like fucking Superman. It matched the comics when the comics get dark fairly well. Unfortunately, he literally stands around in Justice League for the entire four hours with absolutely no energy and no motivation. You were left to think, why is this guy standing around in a bat costume? Something the other guys, okay, I talked about Marvel once, do so well, is making the ridiculousness of superheroes palatable and believable. Justice League, and most of the DCEU, takes itself so seriously 
that a man in a bat suit barking orders is just stupid. It's not good when one of your main characters is a joke. And while there does seem to be some decent character development for Cyborg, everyone else is blank and lifeless. Jason Momoa, who is not exactly the world's greatest thespian, and I hated Aquaman, pretty much stands around like Batman. He has no charm, no wit, no insight, and he is so desaturated of literal color that he is indistinguishable from the flying bad guys. And I guess now we got to get off the Gal Gadot love train. She was very good in the first Wonder Woman. I haven't seen any of that Fast and the Furious garbage. But after Wonder Woman 84 and Justice League, it was very clear this lady can't act. And if Patty Jenkins couldn't get the character right in WW84, there's no way in hell Snyder has the capability to. Ezra Miller provides, once again, air quotes, comic relief as the Flash, but he is mostly just sputtering and silly. What's worse is when you put all these people together, they lack substance and chemistry, and detrimental to a comic book team-up movie, any actual sense of being together. There is no fluidity to this team-up. It really looks like someone said, wouldn't it be cool if Aquaman was fighting with Superman? I know this comes from a comic book, but the comic books made it make sense. This film makes it look like characters were kidnapped from, from other movies and forced to act together. It just feels off. That all comes down to the story. Justice League's true undoing is its villain and its motivation. Yawn, a thinly realized super creature, needs to get three boxes together to welcome in yet another super creature. The villain of this film, Steppenwolf, doesn't even have his own agency. He is just a pawn of a big bad we are supposed to fear because we heard of him in the comics, not through any previous buildup or insight from other characters. The villains lack dimension, and while they look cool, I actually like Steppenwolf's armor and voice design, and Darkseid actually looks like he does in a Kirby panel. That doesn't make up for lack of character. Without a compelling villain, the stakes just don't seem that high, even with the universe in peril. Uh, and speaking of the way things look, my biggest gripe with these DCEU films, even Shazam, is that they refuse to allow for any kind of brightness, either in tone or quite literally on Earth, to come through. Justice League might as well have been shot in black and white like all the advertisements made it out to be, because it is lifeless, colorless, gray, bleak, dreary, Every scenery change, be it a farmland in Kansas, an undersea kingdom, a luscious island of Amazons, or a bad guy's lair, is devoid of difference. Aquaman's Atlantis is as dreary, cold, and gray as Wonder Woman's homeland. It is four hours of lifeless energy, and it literally saps the wonder and interest out of everyone. Even Superman just decides to wear an all-black suit at the end of the whole thing. Why not? He's emo enough already. I just think this project of the Justice League was not meant to be. It shouldn't take four hours to tell this rudimentary of a story, and, and four hours is far too long to spend bathing in joyless darkness. Glad it was made. Wish it didn't exist for its own sake. Well done. No, I, I, I feel lucky for you that you did not have to live through the first one because the first one, man, uh, just, you know, it tried to do what you're talking about. Like it tried to condense its stuff into two hours and then it didn't work. And that's where I will talk about Marvel again and say, there's a reason why their blueprint worked. And the reason why this one did it, because you do have to take some time and not all in one four hour chunk. You do got to take some time in separate movies and get, put some breathable distance between some things to really develop these characters. Like have a solo Ben Affleck Batman movie where he like you said he's a fucking amazing detective go do a Hugo Strange story just just a tweener thing you don't need a big villain you don't need to blow Batman to the highest of heights just give him a really good detective story where Ben Affleck is kicking people for for 90 minutes and we'd be fine you know because you can plug that into where the rest of the stuff is going 
And I, same thing, the first Wonder Woman, I have no problem with. It's a nice, compelling way of doing that character. And, you know, you have to play with a little bit of time to that in terms of the World War One, all that. But, uh, she, you know, she's, you know, she's an imposing presence. The, the end is a mess, but she's an imposing presence along the way. Mm-hmm. I don't mind Aquaman too much because that's kind of like post-Justice League where you can tell Warner Brothers since has tried to kind of course correct and go, you know what, I guess we tried this dark thing and bright and sunny looks like it sells because Mm -hmm. Wonder Woman was so bright and sunny because she's a girl. So maybe we should make more bright and sunny things. And then Aquaman at least has some color and some brightness and eye-popping effects. Some? You know, I think Aquaman... It is a freaking orgy of color. It is... is... That's why I love... I, I like Aquaman because it took that, like you said, that that nondescript gray Jason Momoa bland character that we got that taste of in Justice League and gave him just a bigger, more colorful, wondrous, almost Tron legacy level, you know, underwater kind of art and you know, just a good approach. And I like it. And um, and Shazam is hit or miss because you've got a horror movie director trying to make a cutesy kid thing, but then it's like crazy dark and scary but then we have this bright doofus of a guy so but they've made no effort to plug him into where uh, everything else is going so Mm. they're doing this whole bright and sunny thing and then you know like it's there it's still diminishing returns it's not really working and then here comes joker a completely tangential thing which blows everything away makes a billion dollars and now they're gonna be like oh look dark and sunny you know dark can sell again so maybe we should throw some money at the snyder cut and get dark get dark back again and then we're gonna get a villain movie with black adam with the the rock soon so i just they're they're just aimless and i think you hit the nail on the head earlier and i know i'm hogging some time here but you hit the nail on the head earlier with, with with another thing marvel does good is they might still have to do cliff notes and condense some things when it comes to narratives but they're still pulling from the sources they're still pulling from comic stories because they know those threads are solid those threads are tested those threads are remembered these dc warner brothers movies feel like you're taking shit and throwing it at the wall to see if it sticks because it's like cocktail napkin ideas for things that don't need cocktail napkin ideas batman has a zillion fantastic stories that again don't need four hours need 90 minutes and you can string that along forever if you wanted to Superman has very compelling good stories that you don't need four hours for. And you don't need to make stuff up or condense. You don't like I said with Doomsday, you don't need to throw that in in movie number one, movie number two. Build to that. They have just Warner is Warner is showing me that they're impatient with the money that, that Disney is making, so they're gonna make things with impatience and it's showing. Well, that's why I don't like Aquaman, because it's one thing to brighten up your scenery. Yeah. They just try to do Okay, so Marvel does what the comic books do so well. For mm-hmm. anyone who reads comic books, usually you have 12 issues a year and then you end your year with an annual and sometimes you have a big crossover event. The movies yeah. have done this. Basically they have everyone's ongoing title, it gets run first, then there is an event at the end of the phase. So that way, these connections of things make so much sense. That's why mm-hmm. the first Avengers, which I'm actually not a huge fan of, and I'll get into that in a second, but sure. And Infinity War and Endgame are such major events because they've built up mm-hmm. all the goodwill and character development and everything into them. So that way, when you're watching it, you have the luxury of knowing who these people are, 
caring about what they're doing and you can still tell a compelling story because infinity yeah. war is a thanos movie it's not even a movie about iron man and all of them i mean they're in totally it but it's it's a thanos movie anyway i digress i don't want to talk about marvel because everyone's going to say i'm a shill and i don't want to do that but yeah, good. um here's the thing you're right dc does not have a vision uh for this um and I really want to like Zack Snyder's Justice League. I really do because mm-hmm. the characters just in their basic template forms are interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, Aquaman is a cool hero uh, in the comics. You know, he gets made fun of a lot, but I think he's a cool hero. Wonder Woman is cool. Batman is cool. Mm-hmm. Superman is cool. The biggest crime this film commits is that these characters have existed in the Justice League for decades. And it makes sense. So when you read the comics, you're like, oh, yeah, of course Batman's with uh, Aquaman or whatever. This movie makes it look like they are so, because of their plan, Mm -hmm. it, it, like when the first Avengers came out, it just made sense. The six original heroes made sense. Like Captain America, Hulk, Thor, Hawkeye, Scarlet Witch, and Iron Man. It just, the way they set it up, like I wasn't sitting there. When you really think about it, when you really think about it, it's kind of silly, right? Mm-hmm. A oh, giant green man with a with a Norse yeah. god and a, a tech oh, guy. Yeah. It's silly, but for whatever and reason, the bow and Martin, arrow guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> shut, don't do not do. I, not I love the guy. Slam Hawkeye on this. No, podcast. no, no, no. But but, but okay. what you're saying, like when you have to visualize that guy next to all the other ones, it still seems silly. You know. But part of that is because they never take themselves too seriously there's even a scene in right. endgame and you got this movie that could that try so hard to yes. only be serious totally yeah like there's even a scene in endgame where they make fun of joss whedon there's a scene where they say uh, are we just going to stand here like we're posing all day let's get on with our lives you know like because uh, because right. and here's the thing and uh, and kids out there i hated joss whedon for what he did to the avengers years before he ruined justice league for you guys Okay, Mm -hmm. I am not a fan of Joss Whedon in general. I like his script for Alien Resurrection because I like some of the stuff he did there, even though he hates it. And I like Firefly slash Serenity. I don't like any of his other stuff. I thought that he fundamentally does not understand how Captain America works or how Iron Man works. He's all Mm -hmm. about quips. He's all about he's all about posing moments. He's all about. um, And there's room for that in a comic book film, but it can get excessive. Right. I think that I think that both Avengers and Avengers Age of Ultron are two of the worst MCU films. Believe it or not, I'm a huge Marvel guy. Everyone knows that who knows me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I actually hated this. So I knew that when he took on Justice League, it's part of why I didn't see it. I was just like, this is going to be another Avengers. It's going to suck. Yeah. So I did not see it. Um, so this Joss Whedon thing is a problem in itself, but I'm glad I didn't see it because now I am getting to see this vision. And I actually don't hate Man of Steel or BVS. I actually, um, I like them both. Yeah, I, I, I will say I like them. Um, I don't like what they did with Superman. I think that mm-hmm. just like Joss Whedon doesn't understand Captain America or Iron Man, I don't think Zack Snyder fully understands who Superman is. I the agree. Key, he can make him look good, but I don't think he understands. Yeah, him. here's the thing: Zack Snyder understands the iconography of superheroes. He understands totally. the thing I've always complained about with the DC universe versus Marvel in the movies. 
is that Marvel makes you care about the characters underneath the costume. Mm-hmm. DC is always about promoting the costume. It's more True. about the hero than the human underneath it, or in this case, an alien with Superman. So, sure. so I've always had a problem with that. And I think that with this, with this Justice League, you get this four-hour runtime, and you have this ability to expand some, and it works for someone like mm-hmm. Cyborg. Like Cyborg yes, gets it, so. it definitely benefits in this film because um, he actually gets a story arc, and I understand where he's coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, there's no there's no there there with Aquaman. He just shows up and looks cool. And Batman, this is a problem. Now we're going to get on this in future episodes because. I grew up as a '60s Batman fan. I don't oh, like taking Batman. I love, ba- I, love I don't '60s like, Batman. I don't like taking Batman seriously. I think Batman is yeah. a ludicrous idea, just like a lot of Marvel comics. And I think when they okay. when they take the piss out of themselves, that's yeah. when you have fun. Yes, I like I like this Batman is forever. tipping your hand to future episodes. I dig it. All right. Yeah, I like Batman forever. I like I, that's mm-hmm. my favorite Batman film. Here's my issue: sure. when you get dark and serious, yeah, it makes these things kind of ridiculous. To me, the reason why I'm with you to to me, all of the Nolan Batman films don't work because the only thing that doesn't work in that universe is Batman himself. It doesn't make Mm -hmm. any sense why such a realistic, dreary, um, self-serious world would have a dude in a fucking bat costume. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, like, I know everyone applauds and we'll talk. You're right. We're going to talk about this later. But no, I, I get like Nolan creates this semi-grounded world to like what would superheroes be like in, in I know they, the word they overuse is grounded. And the thing is, you're right for the for as fantastical as it is for a billionaire playboy to be so morose that he dresses up as a bat. You can't ground that. You can't ground Bane breaking him in the back. Like to me, the most comic book of Nolan's movies is the last one, because that's. That's where it gets comic bookish. We've closed mm-hmm. off the whole city. We've got one villain in tanks going around. There's a bomb going to go off and there's Catwoman in the way. Like that's a comic book movie. The other two are just remakes of heat, you know, where he's don't, doing the Michael Mann thing, don't which you dare. Don't you dare. No, no. But what, but like they can work for the aesthetics of what it's going to be. But you're right. The, the wonder. And like you said, the ridiculousness and the fun is a little bit gone when it gets a little joyless in these dark takes. and. I think the best dark take I've seen that still has some balance and some joy is when Tim Burton's doing Batman. Like I, mm. I dig Michael Keaton and I like how twisted it gets in the dark direction, but still kind of like full fantasy in Batman returns with, with DeVito and Pfeiffer. And that's fun to me. Like if you're going to go dark, still have fun. And those are the places where, you know, I'll be the guy in, you know, I'll be the same thing. I'll be Seth Rogen and neighbors. Like, Michael Keaton's my Batman, you know, talking to some millennial who's Zach Efron who thinks Christian Bale's Batman. So you're right. Like, and that's where I have to circle back and come to these movies is I ha- I kind of have to, I put on a different lens to go, all right, remove the silly, remove the fantasy and go, all right, if you were going to make a serious, almost like Godzilla, if you're going to make a serious version of something that is campy, what would that look like? What could that do? And Snyder can still make compelling action he can make some stunts he can have some fun with the slow-mo you know and you give him that tone and he can make it his own and it's applauding that he can make it his own but 
it still, at the end of the day, isn't the truest version of these characters we can get. Because, as you have said, and, and I can fully admit to, it didn't take its time to build that up and flesh that out. And that's why I can appreciate this four-hour cut, because it is, and the, the reason why is because I got to see the previous one. And this is a massive improvement where I wish they could take this movie, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows style, and split it in two, because then you do have a marketable build-up beginning that you can kind of hammer through a little bit, and then you have a pretty decent little climax that if you had some radio silence for a year and you came back to, you might be invested enough because you'd have some some breathing time along the way and not chapters and wandering this and wandering that in one place. So, yeah, I can... I can appreciate what he's trying to do. It's not the best version of any of this stuff, but it works as the lover. I'll still say it's good. Can we spare some time here at the end for the movement that we can both badmouth? Well, it's funny you say spare time because uh, just like Zack Snyder's Justice League, this podcast will be four hours and two minutes long. So we got <laughs> we're coming up on our on our our usual time of fifteen at the end, but we can put some time in on this. Usually. Yeah, we're gonna put some extra time in because uh, Lord help mm-hmm. us. Um, this is where we I... both agree and unite with our little predator high five of Dylan, you son of a bitch. Because <laughs> I, I know you and the way social media has spun you. I don't like the whininess that got this even to become. Yes. Um, I, I see the floor to you because you are the best ranter of this. I know. No, I, so it's basically, I don't know how this works because I'm not going to lie to you. I, I come from a comic book background. I've read comic books since I was a kid. I still read them today. Yeah. Uh, I'm a Marvel junkie. Uh, I see, you know, the other thing is, is that I talk a lot of shit about DC films, but I've seen all of them and Mm -hmm. I've enjoyed some of them. I enjoyed birds of prey. Uh, I like man of steel. I like, I don't love them and I'm not emotionally attached to them. Like I am the Marvel stuff, the Marvel stuff, seeing end game opening night and just crying the entire fucking time. Yeah. I was so emotionally invested in it. Yeah. It's just a different beast. So yes, I'm going to be a little biased for me. For me, kid comic book reader, I stopped in college, but I always kept it within and paid attention. But I'm that whole, I'm a wholesome Midwestern kid. So Christopher Reeves' Superman is Mm. iconic to me. Like that's a paragon to me that you'll never beat. So that's a top five all timer for me in terms of just personal endearing favorites. So that's, and I, for as cheesy as that movie is, that's the bar for me, which is why all this other stuff seems so crap. They're, those original <laughs> Superman films are comic books. They're beautiful. I love it. Um, yeah. And you know what? We can't have we can't have it both ways because there are definitely some problems with Superman Returns, but it is a love note to the originals. And Brandon Routh is actually an excellent Clark Kent and Superman. So I don't mind. I really can't complain mm-hmm. about it. But let's let's get back on track here. Um, yeah. So when I say that I come from these comic book backgrounds and living in this Marvel versus DC universe, because we can't have nice things together, you know, like let, let the fans have their thing. But like you said, there is kind of this inherent rivalry that, Mm -hmm. you know, exists with these movies and there is really no other way to say it, but the DC, which still makes hundreds of millions of dollars in their movies, they might not make Avengers money. They still make money and they have, and they have fans, they feel like they are the underdog in this, which is kind of like saying, you know, I don't know, uh, a billionaire, a trillionaire. The second most successful company. Yeah. Right. 
it's like a trillionaire being or a billionaire being upset with a trillionaire. You know, it's like, what's really the difference? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So my biggest issue with this whole movement, this release, the Snyder cut thing is yes. It, I, I, someone had told me recently on Facebook that they did some good. Some of the, some of the people did like they raised stuff for suicide awareness and things like that, because Mm -hmm. unfortunately Zack Snyder's daughter had, right. Um, and that's great. I mean, with everything, there's always going to be loud voices and, and quiet voices, and there, there's going to be mm-hmm. good things that come out of movements like this. But the major problem with this is that, you know, the other day, I just wanted to go on the Godzilla versus Kong Twitter, and I just wanted to see what yeah. the responses were to all, all Godzilla versus Kong. All they posted was, who you got, Godzilla or Kong? Mm-hmm. Every fucking reply was, restore the Snyderverse. I know it's like, like so here's the just, thing yeah. we're enabling this behavior now. That's the problem. Enabling is the perfect word. You're enabling trolldom. You're enabling bad fans. You're enabling. I hate to use the word that we're doing for a podcast, but you're enabling these little hissy fits that if I don't get my way, I can hate my way into getting something done. Now, don't get me wrong. There's, but there, there's a fine line between listening to your customers and consumers and caving to this bullshit. Right. There's been times that like uh, crowdfunded stuff has led to amazing things. The original Star Trek was canceled three times. Absolutely. Yeah. The fan letter campaigns rescued that show. And because of that, people knew what they were talking about. You got a century, mm-hmm. you know, you got something that's gone on for 50 plus years. That's a, that's yeah. a hallmark of culture, Star Trek, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's, mo- there's little movies like uh, Veronica Mars and stuff that got their little, right. you know, basically fan. But the thing mm-hmm. is, is that the Veronica Mars fans, didn't have this hashtag thing with all this no. vitriol and anger that said, no, release my a- fucking Veronica Mars movie or right. I'll kill you. It was, it's like, <laughs> it was, it was community and shared support. I even think of movies like, you know, the love witch and you know, yeah. you're, you're our girl, Samantha Robinson, where, you know, oh. you get a movie that just, you just have a passion idea. You find fellow passionate people and that's community, not a mob. That's just community and artistic people who respect effort. And when you spend the billion, millions and sometimes billions of dollars and you blow it on substandard efforts just because you're trying to make, get something done that's edgy, different, or weird. And for me, the end answer is you, if you didn't get it right the first time, you don't get to do it, get it right the second time. Now, special circumstances here with Snyder and the situation with his personal life and all that, where this is nice to have this back, but every time that a director doesn't get their way, they needed to sign a better contract that says, I don't get final cut or I walk, you know, that's the one place of this argument that I'll support is like, if this, if this enables directors to be like, Hey, if you don't want another Snyderverse thing, let me have a cut. Now you can have Warner hire, you know, vet some of these people, get some editors in there and like, you know, be careful who you're signing for your talent at the same time. But, but as for artistic integrity's sake, I could tip my hat, but, when the the fans aren't doing that for artistic integrity, the fans are doing that for whiny needs and wants. Yeah, and whatever like they don't care to... about Zack Snyder getting his way. They want their they want theirs, and it's not theirs; it's his. This and is his fr- movie, his chance, not a fan chance. And frankly, I kind of miss the subculture of director's cuts. It was always sure. really fun. Like oh, first yeah. of all, like when Blade Runner came out with the director's cut in the nineties, mm-hmm. it was like super exciting. And, you yeah, know, the big, the big deal was is that they let the consumer decide which version they want to watch. 
Now you have three cuts of Blade Runner. You have the final cut, the director's right. cut, and then the theatrical cut. Some people, some people agree on what is the true vision of Blade Runner, but you know what? Mm-hmm. It doesn't divide the community. No, it it's there's it's no just, cancel culture connected to it. None of that bullshit. Yeah, and I kind of miss the times when a movie would come out on DVD and you would get like a director's cut of it. Like when the yeah. Alien films came out, it was like, oh, cool, I get another version that maybe yeah. gives some more background to this. But this is a whole new animal. This is like giving $70 million. Mm-hmm. This is almost like making another movie and yeah. getting to do it. Like I said, That's, I'm glad he gets to finish his sure. vision. That's cool. But mm-hmm. the fact that it was done through such sheer vitriol yeah. um, makes me fear Hard for to the endorse. future of it, it makes me fear for the me future too. of how films are made because mm-hmm. um, I'm with you there. Okay. For example, let's look at the other guys, Marvel, right? There yeah. was a huge campaign by a bunch of neckbeard idiots that thought Brie Larson was the devil and they didn't want Captain mm-hmm. Marvel, right? Did well, they listen that. to them? Did they listen to them? No, because no. Captain Marvel made a billion fucking dollars and people yeah. love the character. If you yeah. listen to and just trust, a few of Yeah. Marvel trusts their own judgment in-house. They don't they don't need I, I know we the word fan service gets thrown around plenty, but yeah. They have a solid enough brain trust that trust each other where they're good to go. Right. And yeah. yes, the argument may be that really it's the small, but the loudest voices that get the attention. But yeah. unfortunately what I'm saying is, is there, there was a small amount of voices that were very loud about Brie Larson mm-hmm. and Marvel didn't cave to that. But then you have DC who's so desperate to be Marvel in my opinion, mm-hmm. in my opinion, which they never should have done well, because They've existed for eight years now as separate they have comics. Nothing to like you said, with. yeah, they have nothing to compete with. Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman are arguably bigger than any hero in Marvel's stable. Yeah, I think Mar- Marvel Spider-Man has maybe. Yeah, I think Marvel has for universality. Yeah, better overall characters overall. Like in, in terms of like, like you I could agree. dig into the you could dig oh, into yeah. the. Uh, the the catalog there and pull out hundreds mm-hmm. of characters. Whereas in DC, I think people are challenged to actually pull out more than just the big names. But those big names are heavy hitters. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, so it's it's so there's no reason to compete. They all have no. their they all have different differing styles. But but frankly, if you just listen to your own voice, don't listen to the fans. You get something like Birds mm-hmm. of Prey, and this is why yeah. this DC thing is full of shit because birds of prey is by far the best dceu film in my opinion i think it's better than all the other 10 of them or whatever there are right yeah i I had the most fun because it had a singular voice it was very much it's direct it's director's film it very much was uh uh derived by the character margot robbie who clearly loves the character of, of harley quinn and you had a villain and you had a circumstance that didn't take itself too seriously. Ewan McGregor is kind mm-hmm. of a, a joke on purpose yeah, in that movie. I agree. So, so they did it right. But then yeah. everybody online bitched about how it was a failure and mm-hmm. women can't help movies. And it's like, no one can be satisfied. It's gotta be Zack Snyder's fucking yeah. dreary world ending, emotionless mm-hmm. gray. Yeah. And Randian bullshit. It's fucking fury infuriating. It's like, and that's, it's so difficult because you know, it's, there's, like you said, even if it's 
the small voices that are the loudest have just just they just get they're not small anymore which is the the unfortunate thing is because right they just and i don't know what section of fandom we have to call this because it's weird because some of them are the young people who don't know better and then some of them are the old people who come across like the comic salesman on the simpsons or like <laughs> like where they what they want is impossible you know you you just there's a zillion things marvel dc or anywise that are just not cinematically possible they are different mediums for a reason the best you can do is like you said singular voice singular thread trust in your characters and put some confidence to your product and you'll get something good out of it and marvel does that they take their time and it has shown to bear fruit and there's no reason that that dc and warner had to go the complete opposite route just for the sake of being opposite because they have the icons they don't need any extra whiz bang or pow they just have to put a good story out there and i and yeah. maybe matt reeves can do something different with batman here in a year doesn't look like it to be honest with you uh, yeah, it I looks like, like gonna this, get Nolan part two it's the same dark yeah, it's the same like no dark, dreary bullshit, and mm-hmm. I, I, I'm yeah. sick and tired of it because, well, we were talking about Shazam mm-hmm. earlier. Like, yeah, I took my kids to see Shazam because they promoted it as this, like, oh, awesome no. family it's film. It's fuck. fucking scary, man. My yeah, my six, my six year old was my six year old was scared to death, especially that scene mm-hmm. in the boardroom with all the fucking gargoyle oh, things. Absolutely, yeah. It, like there's so just like no there's a tonal imbalance yeah. there in each of these dcu movies we can point to some place where there's a tonal imbalance and you can't do that with the competitors across town and it's unfortunate that, so yeah i, I, will, I just we will we'll wrap do it this up again we don't want to we don't yeah, want to go yeah. too far but i will say this for the sake of reading our stuff i'm mm-hmm. also a massive hater of the joker film i think it is one of the not only is it a ripoff of two of scorsese's best films on a good day but mm-hmm. on its in its worst day, it's a very it's a very limiting, uh, rudimentary origin story we've seen a billion times that is edgy for edgy's sake. But yeah. if you'd like to write read my review of Joker, which I saw as a press <laughs> press screener, it is on twenty five right. years later. I, I do know that Don has a review of Zack Snyder's Justice League available on twenty five years later. I don't know if we have anything on Birds of Prey. Or Shazam. I did I do Birds of Prey a year ago? I may have done have Birds done. of Prey a year ago. It might be me. Any either way, we have a great website with all kinds of reviews from all kinds of talented people, many of which someday will probably be guests of ours on this show. So we've okay. got a good spot and a good place. Now we will be back here again in DCU someday knocking out some Nolan films. And I'm I'm looking forward to those days. And it's <sighs> great to kind of hear where you're coming from on this because we uh, we learn about each other each time we do this show, man. Yes, and also um, one last thing before I, I do the outro here. Yes, sir. Uh, but you, you snuck in a reference to um, Samantha Robinson from The Love Witch. And, I um, did. This is going to be my uh, weekly. Um, uh, I don't know what you would call it. Um, I don't want to say begging. Cry for, cry for, but, uh, cry for attention. Um, <laughs> cry but, for attention. You know, yes, we would love to have Samantha Robinson be our first guest on this podcast, uh, I'm pretty sure Don would ask measured questions and I would just be like, I would be like Cliff Clavin whenever he encounters a girl and cheers. I just go. (laughs) (laughs) You you could be the Chris Farley interviewer from Saturday Night Live. You remember that time when, 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 yeah, you can be that guy. 
Yes. So uh, uh, this yeah. is this will be our first uh, edition of Samantha Robinson. Please join us on Cinephile Hissy Fits. Uh, you will be the guest of honor, the greatest guest we've ever had on. Um, uh, so please consider us. And uh, and mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Anyways, sorry about that. I did not mean to go on that, but that's uh, that's something that I've been teasing Don that I'm going to be doing. Bring it. Until we make that Welcome to him. Welcome to him. Yes. Anyways, so everybody, follow us on Twitter at Cinephile Fits and on Facebook at Cinephile Hissy Fits Podcast. Also find both me and Don on Letterboxd. We uh, offer a lot of our reviews and plenty of lists for you to check out. Um, We have posted a poll uh, matching this episode for you listeners to weigh in on who you think made the most compelling argument to win this Cinephile Hissy Fit. Uh, we want to thank you for your captive audience and social media participation. Cinephile Hissy Fits is a 25 years later media podcast brought to you by RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. Please visit, rate, review, and subscribe. If you enjoyed the show, we have more where that came from with interesting hosts and wink, wink, Samantha Robinson, wonderful guests, all mm-hmm. available on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever, or I should say anywhere you find your favorite shows. Well, thanks a lot, man. I, 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 after all this, I have to say, if you want to feel a little better about my side, your side, or just where this comes from, mm. take the hate watch and watch the Whedon original. You'll see where I'm coming from mm. a thousand miles. I, I, pro- mm. I promise you. I'd rather read Anne asking the you, Fountainhead. I know. <laughs> I know. It's asking, you, it's asking you to sacrifice two hours of your life. But I've seen your social media stream. You've got some two hours of some crap in there you could totally trade out. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, yes, but uh, uh, and, one, and one last thought. Um, yep. Uh, Anne ran allowed Cyborg to score that touchdown, so I'll leave you with that thought. Fair enough, folks. Thanks for coming to the Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast. Bye. Mm-hmm.